0: Today on Ag News Daily, it was uh, it was a very interesting presentation. We had uh, Kevin McGuire from the Potato Growers of Canada. We had Cedric Porter from the World Potato Markets, and we also had Dale Latham from the Potato Growers of Washington. These guys are great. They know what they're doing when they talk about markets. Good afternoon and happy
1: Thursday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined here by Delaney Howell. But before we get into today's podcast, just want to say that it is brought to you by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soil's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. With that, Delaney, we can kick off our conversation today. I've got to say, I'm pretty excited this afternoon. Texas Tech is playing their Sweet 16 game tonight
2: against Notre Dame. So I'm very excited to be watching along. Well, that'll certainly be exciting, Ashton. I didn't know they were playing today. Actually, I did, but I don't know if I'll be able to watch it. Don't anticipate I Probably will. I'm a little bit fed up with basketball at this point because Blaine has been making me watch all of the Iowa State games, and a lot of the other just March Madness games in general, and I didn't really get into it this year. I didn't fill out a bracket, so I'm a little behind the eight ball.
1: I didn't fill out a bracket either, and if Texas Tech wasn't playing, I probably wouldn't be watching anyway, so I am kind of a fake basketball fan, I guess you
2: could say, because I'm only watching for Texas Tech. I think that still makes you a basketball fan. You can only like one team. I would say most people probably have one favorite team.
1: Well, thank you for making me feel validated in my feelings, Delaney. I certainly appreciate it.
2: (laughs) Oh, you're welcome, Ashton. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but you're welcome.
1: (laughs) Well, other than that, Delaney, I do have um, an unfortunate piece of news that I wanted to just kick things off with, get it out of the way. You know, we've been talking a ton about Ukrainian agriculture and what producers are going to be experiencing this upcoming planting season. And we've seen now that the Ukrainian ag minister resigned earlier today citing health reasons. And this comes just about a month now that we've seen Russia um, in Ukraine. And I think it's uh, pretty unfortunate because now we're going to be seeing a senior lawmaker replace him. So I don't know how that's really going to impact the agriculture world now that we're not having or now that Ukraine doesn't have an actual ag minister. I don't know. I wanted to get
2: your thoughts on this. Well, I guess my thought is, yeah, I don't blame him. The health issue is probably stress, honestly, Ashton. You know, you're probably right. I, Whenever I'm stressed and anxious... Um, I
1: get bubble gut. my stomach hurts, I don't want to do anything. And I just can't even imagine being in that position right now. So um, honestly, don't blame him or, you know, not trying to point a finger or anything at him. But I just thought it was interesting. And I just wonder how this is
2: going to impact Ukraine moving forward. that is a good question. I certainly don't have an answer to that at this point. I hadn't seen that piece of news come out, so I'm glad that you found that. But another thing we can expect to see probably later this week is for more sanctions to be imposed. Of course, NATO is meeting today, and President Biden is there as well as other world leaders, and it's largely expected that they are going to impose more sanctions as of today's meetings as they're continuing to tighten the noose on Russia's economy, and they also have been indicating that they will probably take steps to bolster NATO's military defense as a way to discourage Russia from advancing into any of the other member countries, Ashton. So certainly continuing to watch that story as that continues to get fleshed out here, but it is actually, I think, as of today, maybe one month officially that we have seen this ongoing invasion situation. I think it's been one month as of today or maybe tomorrow.
1: Well, Delaney, I put a piece of news in our newsletter, Um, got it from the Good News Network talking about some inspiring things uh, when it comes to humanity and hope that have come out because of what's going on in Ukraine. Because I know that we've been getting a a ton of negative news, of course, coming out of this situation, but wanted to at least, you know, share a light, um, maybe trying to look at some more positive things. It was definitely uplifting for me. Um, So folks, if you are interested in getting that, definitely look at our newsletter coming out tomorrow morning. But other than that, Delaney, I do have a piece of U.S. and Japan-related news. These two countries have now reached an agreement to increase the beef safeguard trigger level to prevent a higher tariff from being imposed on U.S. beef. During a call with reporters, the Assistant U.S. Trade Representative for Agriculture Affairs and Commodity Policy, Julie Callahan, says that it was a win for both countries. She said that it will allow American farmers and ranchers to meet Japan's growing demand for high-quality U.S. beef and will also reduce the probability that Japan will impose higher tariffs on U.S. beef in the future. Callahan adds that they've spent a year working on the new safeguard threshold that would require three triggers to be hit before Japan could impose the higher tariff on U.S. beef. And she also said that this is the first of those being that imports for U.S. beef must exceed the original beef safeguard trigger level under the U.S.-Japan trade agreement. Second, the aggregate volume of beef imports from the U.S. plus the original signatories of the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement must exceed the CPTPP beef safeguard trigger volume And third, imports from the U.S. must exceed the total amount of beef imports from the U.S. into Japan during the previous year. Now, I know I just threw a whole bunch of information at you there, Delaney, but wanted to bring that to your attention, especially as we continue to talk about tariffs, um, prices, things of that nature, especially here in the beef market.
2: Yes, I saw that story as well, Ashton, so that is certainly exciting there for continued expansion of U.S. beef. But Ashton, I want to take our attention here for a moment to a letter that was sent to USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack yesterday by seven different agricultural lobbying organizations representing U.S. farmers, feed producers, grain exporters, millers, bankers, oilseed processors, et cetera, essentially asking him to allow farmers the ability to plant on acres set aside for CRP or conservation ground. Now, in the letter, they're saying that in order to help fill the absence of Ukrainian corn, wheat, and sunflower oil, it's pertinent that farmers are allowed to potentially change some of those CRP acres back into farmable acres. And they're asking the USDA to provide some flexibility to farmers to plant crops on more than 4 million acres of quote-unquote prime farmland that is currently enrolled in the CRP program without penalty. So as of this morning when I read this article, it didn't appear that Vilsack had really offered much of a response other than to say, quote, I think it's a little premature to make that call because we really don't know precisely what's going to happen. So it doesn't sound like he has any immediate plans to follow through on this, but he also hasn't ruled it out completely. Well, Delaney, I don't really have
1: um, much news to talk about other than what we've already discussed. But one thing that I did want to say is a word from our sponsor for many years u.s farmers in select markets have trusted sp1 as an integral part of their crops fertility program today as fertilizer prices soar and supply chain challenges loom DBH biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer helping growers circumvent supply challenges while improving crop yield and profitability with TerraTrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, you can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com. But other than that, Delaney, like I mentioned, don't really have a whole lot of news to talk about.
2: I've pretty much shared all I have to share today. What about you? I had just one update to the continued Brazil-South American story I know you talked a little bit about it yesterday, and we're working, of course, to chat with Eric Snodgrass here over the coming weeks as we do see planters in the stateside really hit the fields. But I saw this story today and thought I'd just share as we're kind of updating almost daily, it seems like now, on South American weather as well. But a few central states, including Grosso and Goias, that account for about 60% of the safrina corn crop in Brazil, have been completely planted for a couple of weeks now. So we're starting to get some preliminary news about really what that crop is looking like. And so as farmers were getting planted, a lot of the soils there were mostly wet. And they saw some good rainfall for the first couple of weeks after that planting happened. However, showers in March have been more isolated and weaker than we typically see for this month. And deficits have been estimated at greater than four inches. So a lot of folks are suggesting that deficits this large start to eat into subsoil moisture. And as we know, corn grows and demands more water. And so a lot of folks are suggesting again that we are gonna just continue to see that Safrina corn crop shrink even before we really start to see it I think at this point, it's probably germinated and and starting to pop through, but not very far along, obviously, in its stage, production stage. So certainly going to continue to watch that. Then as you look further to the south, there's still a little bit planting left to go. And the Department of Rural Economics says that in the state of Paraná, they estimate that about 94% of the corn crop has been planted as of this week, with about 83% of the crop in early development stages. So we will continue to be talking about this probably weekly for the foreseeable future here, but it's really sounding like, especially to the southern portion of Brazil, moisture has been hard to come by, Ashton.
1: Well, Delaney, hopefully we can get Eric on to chat a little bit more about weather here in the near future, because I always love chatting with him. He definitely makes weather more interesting and not
2: feel like I'm talking to my pawpaw. (laughs) That is probably true, Ash, and he does a fantastic job at that. So we'll be sure to have him on again here really soon. But Ashton, I suppose with that, I'm pretty much all out of news. We're going to be talking to a potato journalist, we'll say. That's maybe not the best term for Ashley, but we're going to be talking about SmudCon, which is a Canadian conference solely dedicated to potatoes. And as we tee up that interview coming here just shortly, Ashley mentions this in our conversation, but as of today the exports of Prince Edward Island potatoes will once again resume to the United States. Now, I got to say, Ashton, I don't know if I've ever had a Prince Edward potato. Have you? Um, Although I
1: am a huge potato fan, can't say that I've had a
2: specific one from Prince Edward Island. No. I don't know that I have either. Although, to be honest, I don't know how long this these exports have been closed off. So that could be part of the reason we've never experienced them. But now we will be able to get our hands on Prince Edward Island potatoes. So I'll be looking in the grocery store as those come back to the marketplace. But speaking of marketplace, today's markets definitely took a turn for the worst read right across the screen in the grain markets today as the May corn contract closed down nine and a half cents to close at 7.48 and a quarter. Dees new crop corn down just four and three quarter cents to close at 6.67 and a half. In soybeans today, that weakness continued, closing 18 cents lower in the May contract, settling at $17. The November down 15 pennies to close at 14.93. Chicago wheat gave up 20 cents in the main contract today at 1085 and three quarters. The July shed 16 and three quarters cents to close at 1074 and a half. Hopping over into the livestock markets today, the April contract added a quarter to close at 139.67. The June up 97 and 5 cents to close at 136.95. Feeder cattle also showed strength today as the April contract added 95 cents to close at 162.72. The May up 70 cents, closing at $1.66. And in Lean Hogs, mixed trade today is the April contract added 22.5 cents to close at 102.77. The May contract shed 52.5 cents, settling the day out at 114.12 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three Dairy Milk Futures. April today up 30 cents at 24.51. The May up 15 to close at 25.24. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Ashley. Well, today
1: we're talking about hashtag SpudCon with Ashley Robinson, who is the editor of Spud Smart. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm excited to be here in chat with you, ladies. So of course, I kind of introduced the event as hashtag SpudCon because that was the hashtag you guys were using on social media, but it's really the 2022 Canadian Spud Congress. So before we get started talking a little bit about what actually happened um, over the past two days and things of that nature, wanted to talk a little bit more because 2021 was the first time that you actually had SpudCon. This is only the second time that you've done this. So why did you continue it into 2022?
0: Yeah, thanks so much for asking because, of course, um, when we initially brought uh, the Canadians by Congress when we created it, it was because, um, of course, the pandemic and last year we saw um, most Canadian potato industry events canceled and we felt there was a need to be able to bring the industry still together. And then heading into this year, it was still a lot of uncertainty. And So we, again, felt that there needs to be an event for sure that would, no matter what, be able to go ahead. And we also had been able to partner with the provincial and national potato associations here in Canada. And we had really great support from them. And having talked with them throughout uh, throughout the time um, over the course of the past two years, we all really felt that there was there was still a need for the Canadian by Congress and an overall need for a national potato industry conference, because we don't really have one in Canada. We have some really great conferences uh, for the potato industry. But they're all kind of um, relative to even provincial in scope. They do include international aspects and national aspects. But um, we definitely felt there was a need for a national industry conference as well.
2: Ashley, I'm excited to learn more about the potato industry because as Ashton and I were talking about uh, before you hopped on with us, we don't get to talk a lot about some of these Different industries, we focus a lot of our attention, it feels like on corn and soybeans and wheat. So I'm excited to learn more about the potato industry. But talk to us a little bit about Spud Smart. You're you're located there in Canada, but do you cross the border, so to speak, and cover events going on in the US potato industry as well?
0: Yeah, so we're, um, SpudSmart is um, a national Canadian potato industry magazine. But the thing with the potato industry in North America is that it's, yes, we have a border between us, but um, we really influence each other a lot. Like when you're, we during the Canadian Spud Congress on one of our sessions was our potato market session. And we had um, different guys from all over the world there on there to talk about the potato markets. And when we had the North American guys on there, both saying, like, it's not like we, like, yes, there is the border, but really, potatoes move back and forth very easily across um, the Canadian-U.S. border because when you're looking at the pro- the processors and all the different companies, they work on both sides of the line. Um, even the potato input companies, like everyone, you don't really work. Um, yeah, you work on both sides of the line. So, yes, we are mainly Canadian in scope, but um, we do cover the American news and stuff because um, whatever happens in the, Amer- in the States with the... Potatoes influences what goes on in Canada, and we do have different, um, advertisers and stuff that are American companies that operate in Canada. We have Canadian companies that operate in the States. So yeah, it's a very fluid, uh, line there. <laughs> And I think that one thing that no matter where you're at, that you can
1: definitely pay attention to is the markets and the potato market overview is something that you guys discussed at SpudCon this year. So can you give us that overview and kind of walk us through how that conversation went?
0: Yeah. So, um, it was, uh, it was a very interesting presentation. We had uh Kevin McIsaac from the Eighth Growers of Canada. We had Cedric Porter from the world potato markets, and we also had Dale Latham from the growers of Washington. Um, so we had a really good, these guys are great. They know what they're doing when they talk about markets. So we had them all there to give a presentation about their areas and everything. And um, it was a really interesting conversation. We had a lot going on. As we know here in agriculture period right now, it's gonna be an expensive year for planting. Inputs are, costs are rising like crazy. They're rising like crazy before the inv- the Russian invasion of Ukraine and they've only skyrocketed since then. So there's a lot of concern right now in the market about how how many potato acres are going to be planted this year, because we do have demand rising. But um, potatoes are really um, expensive crop to put in. They're very input heavy, and they take a lot more work than uh, planting a soybean or wheat crop. So there's a lot of concern there. So we had a lot of discussion about those issues and everything. And then we did uh, with having um, Cedric Porter. He's based in the UK, and he covers a lot of the European market. So we did have a discussion about how um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is infecting and things. Russia and Ukraine are two the world's largest potato producers. So that's going to have ripple effects. Mainly won't affect us in North America, but um, our co- our comrades across um, over, the, over the pond and stuff will be affected. And then we had also talked a lot about um, in Canada right now. Um, well, not anymore. Just a few minutes ago, it changed. Um, we were having, uh, the U.S. has had um, blocked exports of Prince Edward Island fresh potatoes due to um, some potato wart discoveries. Um, it was the uh, bacteria discovered in fields um, within, a, there were three fields that were it was discovered in, and they were discovered within a pretty close time range. So out of uh, caution, the, the border has been closed, but um, I... Just actually within the last hour, the USDA announced that they're reopening the border. So um it's a good news story now, but um we did talk a lot about how at the time, just a few days ago, there was a lot of uncertainty for the PEI potato industry about what they were going to plant this year. And there's still going to be some uncertainty as they sort out how um reopening the border affects them and everything. And I'm sure there's going to be some cautious cautiousness there just because of what did happen that um growers are going to be a bit cautious about their plans as they move forward in the next few weeks and months as they plant the crop. Well, Ashley, before we get to my next question
2: here, I wanted to take a quick pause to get a quick message from today's sponsor, Douglas Plant Health. For many years, U.S. farmers in select markets have trusted SP1 as an integral part of their crops fertility program. Today, as fertilizer prices soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer, helping growers circumvent supply challenges while improving crop yields and profitability. With TerraTrove SP one Classic, the complete biofertilizer, you can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. Just visit dphbio.com. And actually, there certainly were a lot of different issues that you touched on there. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into the Russia-Ukraine situation, because as you mentioned, that's a, Ukraine's a really large producer of a lot of different feed sources, including potatoes that I read. I don't remember where they ranked compared to other countries, but they were up there in their potato production, which I hadn't realized until I read about that. But as you look at the... U.S. and Canada and their production abilities. You look at Ukraine and and input costs and all that stuff. How does the U.S. and Canada compare to what Ukraine produces? And are we able to fill, will we be able to fill that gap?
0: Well, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I know here in North America, we kind of get a bit centric on our own production of all crops and everything and a lot of times forget how big um, some of these European nations are in their productions. When we're looking at the global ag, uh, ag sphere, um, you really do see that Russia and Ukraine are huge producers of basically everything and that comes down to potatoes too. Uh, so there may be some opportunities when we're looking at this. Um, they are still trying to plant those crops in Ukraine. Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta say kudos to those farmers and growers there. Um, they're really working to make sure that they still have food on the table for their country. So we wish them well as they try to be able to plant a crop, even though inputs are harder to come by, and even making sure that pr- crop stays protected as we see the ongoing invasion in the country right now. But um, yeah it's interesting though um potatoes of course are quite the fresh commodity to ship so there's issues too when you're looking at logistics that issues we're also seeing issues when it comes down to just global shipments and stuff with the pandemic triple effect and everything the last few years so i'm not sure if there's really a lot of opportunity when it comes down to it for that north american um market to come in and fill some of those places but there definitely will be um some opportunities for um, North America to be able to assist some of these European nations that may be a bit low on spuds going forward.
1: So talking about demand and growth, um, sustainability has definitely been playing a factor in how people are actually producing their crops. And it's been a interesting conversation to be a part of, but like Delaney said, we don't get to talk a whole lot about the potato industry. So from a sustainability standpoint, where do you guys sit?
0: Well, potatoes are a really interesting crop because um, they're one of those crops that, one, we can't do zero tillage with because um, there needs to be some of the ground tilled up in order to be able to plant potatoes and to be able to harvest them. So they um, are definitely a bit different crop than when you're looking at um, wheat or something that you can do zero tillage with. But um, that doesn't mean growers aren't really working hard to make sure that, one, that their soil is um, being a uh, there is being helped and growing and getting more nutrients and stuff in there. And then also just they're wanting to be greener and more sustainable too. And we've seen a real push in the last year in the potato industry with both um, PepsiCo, who manufactures Lay's potato chips and then McCain foods, which is a Canadian uh, food manufacturing company that they uh, are major potato uh, manufacturers around the world. They both made um, promises, uh, pledges about, doing regenerative ag practices on their potato fields, So that um has really got the whole industry shop talking and stuff. When we had a panel where we had some growers on that are really kind of um, pioneers in the world of minimal tillage and sustainable farming, they're doing some really great work on their farms to reduce tillage and to grow their soil matter and everything. And it's really just, it came from them just first off just wanting to make their farm better, grow better potatoes and, Stop seeing some of that dirt blow away and now they're seeing more of a support from the industry and everything and they're starting to share more and more with their fellow growers what they're doing in order to help them all be able to move towards a more sustainable future and yeah potato will never be a zero till crop but there's things that we can do to reduce those number of passes in the field.
2: Well Ashley we certainly appreciate your time today and learning more about the potato industry, and also SpudCon. Ashley, if folks listening want to learn more about potatoes
0: or want to read some of your work, uh, where can they go to find you? Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. And I just want to say um, this was such a great team effort from my whole team of colleagues here at SpudSmart. And um, we had such a good time doing it. And we really appreciate the sponsors we had and all the support we had from the industry for it. And if you want to learn more about the Canadian Spud Congress or SpudSmart, you can check us out on our website at spudsmart.com. And then we're also on social media. Our Twitter account is at SpudSmartMag. And then um, we're also on Facebook too. So please check us out. And uh, we look forward to hopefully being able to talk with you guys in the future again.
1: Thanks again, there to Ashley for coming on and chatting about SpudCon and a couple more things that are really impacting north american potato producers you know we talked a little bit there about russia ukraine and a little bit more just about north america as a whole because you know it SpudSmart doesn't just deal with, you know, Canadian producers, but has some stuff in there that are particular to North America as well. So folks, Ashley did drop where you can find her and SpudSmart on the web. So if you have any interest, you can go and take a peek there. But if you have any more interest in Ag News Daily and who we've been talking to lately, you can always tune in at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.